an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiyad, and Abiyad, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azar, and Azar, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliad, and Eliad, the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. The word of our Lord. Well, I will admit I've never practiced a lesson like that one before. And thanks be to God for the internet and pronunciations that can help get you through. I still, oh, I almost got there. Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel. Come on. I practiced and practiced. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. I am guessing that many of you, like me, spent some time with family over the holidays. And I will confess that I no longer get to spend time with my family. They're in Arizona, and they re- don't return home. I don't know why. It's been lovely weather with this wonderful snow and rain and now ice. Why wouldn't you want to come back here? Um, and so instead, I spend time with my in-laws. And I won't talk about their family because that's off limits, I think. Um, but Christmas time or the holidays are usually a time where we get to see some extended family or people we only see once or twice a year. One of my friends told me as they were driving home from their Christmas celebration, their his 15-year-old daughter said from the back seat, Mom and Dad, why is our family so weird? <laughs> I've had similar thoughts myself, and I think my kids have asked similar questions. Time with our extended family can be interesting. I remember as a kid when we would go to those large family gatherings that when I would get really interested in what my parents were saying was when they would start to whisper in the front seat, I would know that there was some stories being told that I wasn't supposed to know, and all the more I leaned forward and say, 
Who are you talking about? What are you saying? There were certain cousins of mine, um, Michael and Scott, whose stories I was always fascinated with. Michael was considered the wild child in the family. He was a lot older than me, and my mom would just shake her head and say, Michael was wild back in the day. And you knew it, because everyone gathered around Michael, and he was still the life of the party, even years later when my mom said, he's not as wild as he used to be. And so I always wanted to know, what were those family gatherings like when, my, when Michael was indeed in his wild phase? And Michael's brother Scott was one of those mysterious people in the family that I also was curious about. Cousin Scott didn't show up to many family gatherings for a long time, in part because he was in prison. And so I was even more curious. When he did show up, I was kind of scared, didn't know quite what to do with him, and so I would ask questions. Well, what did he do? What happened? And my parents were pretty tight-lipped about the whole thing, much to my dismay. Family trees are interesting. Our family stories are ones that can capture our attention. A few years ago, my sister drove head first into the DNA familyancestry.com fad. Maybe some of you have gotten into it too. She had the whole family complete the DNA testing, and she started charting our family tree on ancestry.com. She discovered all sorts of interesting information, some that I'm not sure she needed a DNA DNA test to figure out, one of which she found out we don't have the muscle, the twitching muscle in our system, so we can't sprint very well. I said, well, you know what? I didn't need a DNA test to tell me that. I have many lost races that were proof of that information, but I guess it's good to know it genetically, too. So if you ever want to race, you can beat me quite easily. The other thing that my sister discovered in her digging into the family tree was that we had a group of relatives who sold all of their possessions, moved to another country in order to be there for the second coming of Christ. Yes, we are those people. I said, really? And my sister goes, no, don't get too upset. Because that same group of people sold their possessions again and moved to another country, but our relatives didn't go the second time. So we're a little crazy, but not that crazy. (laughs) Hopefully, these stories I'm telling you are ones that you might nod in agreement. Yeah, my family's a little wacky, too, instead of you thinking, wow, her family's really out there. The gospel story this morning is the genealogy of Jesus, this long list of names that are difficult to pronounce, Um, And they might be a a part of the Bible that I know when I was a kid, I would just skip over. Long list of names, it's either either an invitation to shut the Bible or just skip. So those are my two methods as a kid. But now I actually find Jesus' genealogy quite interesting. For these names tell us something about who Jesus is, where he came from, and if we think our family stories are crazy... Jesus has it on us. His family stories are even more unique. As you look through this list, I'm sure that some of the names were familiar, especially the beginning ones. After all, these are the stories that we have been studying this fall. You might recognize Abraham, right? 
We recognize Abraham. We know him as Father Abraham, married to Sarah, right? Finally, wanting that child, um, Isaac, that they finally get, who is named Laughter. Now, his story is one that we often study, and we talk about the faithfulness of Abraham, how he sold his possessions and moved to another community, a new um, country, because God told him to. But there's also parts of Abraham's story that we tend not to study too much. Um, On Thursday, Pastor Scott and I gathered with some of our college students, and we had a discussion about some theology classes that they might have taken in college. And one of those college students said, yeah, I was surprised to learn about Abraham in college. I always thought he was this sweet old man who had a kid late in life. I didn't know anything about Hagar. Now, Hagar isn't a story we read very often in church, but if you know her story, you know that Abraham has somewhat of a questionable past, that Hagar was Sarah's servant with whom Abraham had his firstborn son, Ishmael, and Hagar wasn't completely treated nicely. In fact, she was kicked out at one point in time and almost died. Yes, Abraham's story is not all about righteousness and faithfulness, but also a story about a man who struggled, who struggled in life, who struggled in faith, and who hurt people at times. That story maybe is very well used as the biblical script for shows like The Handmaid's Tale today, which might turn our stomachs. Isaac is Abraham's son, and then Jacob is a story that we often study. Jacob becomes um, Israel, who the people of Israel are named after. Jacob's story is one of family conflict, one that he has from the beginning of time when he starts fighting with Esau, his twin brother, from the moment he comes out of the womb. He's married to two sisters, Leah and Rachel, who fight over him, which if we're looking to the Bible for lessons on a healthy marriage, I think we should find another source. Jacob is also called a heel and a scoundrel. He wrestles with God. He is both faithful and faithless, and he is a member of Jesus' family tree. These people in Jesus' family tree are not the most upright and faithful people that you could find. They are regular people, not that different than you and me. They are both faithful and faithless. They are both saint and sinner. They are people who follow God and who don't at times who love their family and their friends and their neighbors, and who hurt them too. This is Jesus' family tree. Now, one of the interesting parts of Matthew's genealogy of Jesus is that he follows the patriarchy, the the fatherly line of Jesus. But four women are actually included in this line. Four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the wife of Uriah. So I'm curious, how many of you know about Tamar? Raise your hand. Who knows about Tamar? Oh, over here, a few, yes. Okay, theology classes, all of which. Um, If you don't know the story of Tamar, I'm not going to tell it to you. Go home and read it for yourself. It's in Genesis 38. I'll warn you in advance, it's not PG or G, so maybe not with children. Um, It is a scandalous story. And yet, this is part of Jesus' family tree. Rahab, have people heard of Rahab? 
A couple more, yes. Okay, Rahab is from the book of Joshua. She is a foreigner, also a prostitute, a member of Jesus' family tree. How about Ruth? I feel like more. Oh, yeah, there we go, Ruth. Very good. Also an immigrant. She is a Moabite, so a foreigner, not an Israelite by birth. Um, And then the wife of Uriah. Who knows her? Okay, what's her name? Bathsheba. Okay, so yes. In this family tree, we know that she has a name, and yet Matthew chooses to call her the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, who is the mother of Solomon. And in doing so, in naming her the wife of Uriah, I believe Matthew is reminding us of what happened. That indeed, David took Bathsheba, that he murdered Uriah. And so a part of this scandal is a part of Jesus' story. Matthew does not hide the identities of these women from this tree when he very well could have, but inserts them inviting us to remember and ponder, about, ponder what this means about who Jesus is and what this means about God. As we look at this long list of names, we realize that these people all have stories, stories about how God worked in and through their life. And in the season of Christmas, we remember that God comes near and is born into our world, and God doesn't go around and try to find the cleanest situation to get involved in, but God dives straight into the mess of it all. God goes into the most difficult of circumstances where there might be misfits and outsiders and people who you think don't belong, and God says, this is where I am. This is where I live, because I care about every person in any situation, There is no scandal, no secret, no situation that God doesn't want to be a part of. There is no person that is beyond God's ability to love or care for. And God reaches to the very edges of society and says, this is where I live. I'm for and with all of you. So at Christmas time, we are indeed invited to remember our own families And remember our identity not only as members of our own clan, but of God's family. Jesus is God's son, but we are all God's children, you and me. And while we might think we have our own secrets or scandals that someone just couldn't and wouldn't understand, God's story tells us that no, indeed. We have a God who loves us and knows us completely, who will intimately weave God's self into our lives And that there is nothing we can do, no scandal we could face, no secret we could hold that God won't love and walk with us through. So Merry Christmas. God is with you. Amen.